almost to 1930, getting up over 1960. And on the futures, we see a price of 1971 right now. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, and it is time once again for our weekly silver report. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Nice to have a three-day weekend in there. Get a break from some of the insanity that's going on in the financial markets. Although over the weekend, we did have some news out as we have an agreement, uh, at least a tentative agreement on the debt ceiling, which <laughs> seems to have just basically eliminated it for a while. And we'll take a look at how the gold and silver markets are responding, as well as some other thoughts in the silver space. And joining me as always to dig in is Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin. So Andy, great to have you here this morning. Hope you had a great weekend. And how are you, my friend? Good, buddy. Good to see you again. Yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. I think I'm still kind of Still in weekend mode, those long weekends are hard to break away from on a Tuesday. But anyways, it's good to be here. I hope you had a good weekend as well. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, again, we're recording on Tuesday morning. And interesting uh, day in the gold price because we've seen a little bit of a dip from last night and then a rally of almost $30. Uh, actually, I'll pull up the Kidco chart, which with its nice colors, shows a bit more extreme. You can see down here almost to 1930, getting up over 1960. And on the futures, we see a price of 1971 right now. And again, this is following the news of the tentative agreement on the debt ceiling, which apparently has just left, left any limit out and suspended that until January of 2025, if this goes through as passed. Andy, do you think this price uh, that movement that we're seeing in the gold market today, uh, silver a little bit more subdued, but do you think this is the market's reaction to seeing that basically the the resolution is once again just to do what perhaps many of us expected, but suspend any sort of debt ceiling limit? Yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, I mean, look, the secret to maintaining a, a personal balance budget or paying off your, your debt is never just to simply raise your 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 debt ceiling or your limit again and again and again and again. And I think it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a joke. And I think the world understands that. And I think it's, it's, it's shameful that the wealthiest, most advanced, prosperous, democratic nation in the world results to finding itself in this position every few years. It was just January of this year when we had to take extraordinary measures to raise the debt ceiling uh, uh, again. And that was to borrow money from the Civil Servants Retirement Fund, the Postal Service Retirement Fund, and the Disabled Veterans Retirement Fund. I found it shameful. And this is right when we're giving the Ukraine billions and billions and billions of dollars and we're borrowing from these funds that who knows if it's been paid back. And I. You know, I, I think it's pathetic that we have to borrow trillions of dollars each year to make ends meet. Uh, and I guess the question becomes is what happens when the government can't fund its deficits with Treasury debt, where the world just doesn't want it? And there are two choices. Either they will print and devalue the dollar. And I think that's pretty much what gold is seeing right here. And ultimately, or they'll have to make that debt more attractive and raise rates. And we see what is happening 
by raising rates too quickly. We are breaking the already fractured system. And you're dealing with two sides of the aisle that neither of them will make the hard decisions. And, you know, like, like social security, you know, this is something that both sides understand it's going to be out of money in less than 10 years. 2033 is what Reuters told us the other day. And yet both sides and both political parties refuse to, you know, social security has to be off the table, Medicare, Medicaid off the table, no changes, no discussions, no solutions, no nothing. And it's just a bunch of, a bunch of crap. These people can't think anywhere down the road. They can't think five or 10 years out what it's going to look like. They can't even figure out how to compromise on the debt ceiling here right now. And look, even before the debt ceiling, Janet Yellen said that by 2033, we would have a $50 trillion debt and $2 trillion per year in annual deficits. Well, Janet Yellen's been nothing but wrong for a long time. I guess the bottom line, Chris, is that what they did just kicks the can down the road until ultimately, I think it leads mathematically to the ultimate collapse. And uh, and that is when the amount of debt sold is greater than the amount of debt that the buyers around the world want to buy. And one last point, I think it's interesting that as the world is in record mass dumping U.S. treasuries, the U.S. public is filling that vacuum and buying them in record quantities. It's a very interesting, crazy time, but yeah, our government uh, has no interest on being fiscally responsible. And you can see that by, again, just kicking this down the road. Yeah, that is unfortunately the case. It's been going on for a long time, seems set to continue going on. I'm curious, as you're talking to people all day long about buying gold and silver, is this one of the things that they're concerned about? Is it not as big of a concern? Or is, is it more the Federal Reserve? Or is it the fact that we have this debt ceiling, which you know the options were either default or to raise it? Has, has that really been a big concern on, on the minds of a lot of the people who are calling in and purchasing precious metals? You know what it is? It's almost like the feather that falls on the scale that just tips it. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And that's kind of one of the things that differentiates to me this time from previous times. It's like, you know, growing up and being a young adult and a young businessman, you would have events that would happen very, very um, infrequently. Um, years would go by before you would see something that would really rattle the markets. And yet here it is every single day, there's something new. And we've all been bombarded with all of this stimulus since 2020. And I'm not talking financial stimulus. I'm talking just everything thrown at us, starting with the pandemic and everything that's happened subsequently. And I think, you know, people are just looking at that or did look at that as just one more piece uh, of a very, very hard to decipher puzzle. And it's, it's creating anxiety. To me, it was nowhere near as relevant as what's happened with the banks. And I don't think that the, the last chapter of that has been written either. I think most people believed that they would ultimately come to a resolution that, you know, maybe there would have been a very short default. I thought that there might be based upon the um, acceleration of the premium on the credit default swaps. It certainly looked like that was a possibility. But Look, everyone knew that they wouldn't just flat out default and create chaos. So it was less of an event 
but just more of, I think, reinforcement that things are really not well in the system. And I think that's what people are beginning to see. And maybe this is why we're seeing all of these states adopt using gold and silver as legal tender. There is some sanity out there and we're not the only ones who realize that something is amiss. And, and so little by little by little, you continue to see more of these things that just that just make it seem like we live in bizarro world. I think there are people waking up to finding solutions. And um, at some point, I think it just becomes obvious that we have really uh, outlasted our usefulness as a world reserve currency. And, and people are beginning, I think, to sense that, whether it be the, the forces outside this country or even some of the politicians inside this country that are worried about the dollar standing globally and what it means to hold dollars to your ultimate, to your wealth, uh, ultimately to your, your wealth and your well-being in a, in a country where it's becoming very obvious that they are choosing inflation over austerity. Yeah, and you mentioned the states in there, and we'll we'll come back to that in a little bit because I did have a question about some of the things that are happening there. Although something I was reading a couple of days ago, an article about is gold still a buy at two thousand dollars? Curious how you phrase that to people, or or how people are looking at that. Where again, obviously, if you buy something before it's rallied, is the ideal way to go. At Slightly under two thousand, uh, about a hundred dollars away from the all-time high. What what is the thought process like there? Do people need to be cautious about jumping in when something is at the all-time high, or do these factors ultimately overweigh that? And I mean, again, there's a case to be made that gold could be significantly undervalued when you look at how much paper is out there. Again, we're not on a gold standard, so there's. A lot of different ways to look at it, but I'm curious how you would see that one with gold at the already elevated price. Well, it's a fair point. It certainly isn't as attractive as buying silver at uh, $25 an ounce, half of, of what it was in 1980, especially when you see recently the amount of withdrawals around the world off of Comex and recently off the Shanghai Gold Exchange and off the London Metals Exchange, you can see the big money values seize the value in silver. But you have to remember that that same big money, the central banks bought more gold over the last 18 months than at any time in, in history ever. And these are the people not only with the most money, but they know the playbook. They're closest to, to the information. I would argue that gold has been suppressed, that its real value is hard to, to really know based upon the constant Western suppression. If I had to guess, it would be much higher. It's no more different. You know, when I started in this industry, the Dow Jones was 2,100. And at what point, you know, we keep making, for the last uh, 30 years, we've continued to make new highs, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 25, and I kept going and going. And never did anyone make that same statement and in a world where the most sophisticated well-funded well-informed investors irrespective of the price in fact i think part and parcel because of the price people don't notice the significance of it but it doesn't deter the central banks from massively accumulating in fact if we just simply looked at their actions chris they would tell us that gold has a long way to go and i think it's interesting that if you look at the way gold is 
categorized on the balance sheets of the central bank. It's held in something called a revaluation account. I find it very interesting that that's the name of the account on the balance sheet of the central banks, a revaluation account where it is valued at $42.22 an ounce in the States and $35 an ounce throughout Europe. Look, if they really wanted to shore up their balance sheets, put gold where it should be. Um, many, many times higher than it is now. And all of a sudden, these fractured balance sheets become whole very quickly. Maybe that is part of the plan. Who knows? But um, I think if you were seeing central banks load up on Bitcoin and sell all the gold and silver they want, it might be time for me or that they had to look for a new business. But the fact that they are incredibly, um, uh, you know, looking for ways to accumulate more and more and more and more for the last several years, it, it, it tells us the playbook. It, it shows us the real value that is being, I think, blurred by the, the suppressed Western price. So yeah, I get it. Silver's a better value because it's half of its 1980 high. But I think all of these values have been distorted tremendously by the West, who was more interested in supporting the system and the bond market uh, than allowing gold and silver to be valued appropriately and, and realistically. Yeah, and in there you mentioned a couple of times the relation between gold and silver. Uh, two questions here. Are people still doing the gold to silver swap? I know over the past couple of years, there have been some times where a lot of people have been swapping their metals. And second to that, what what do you think it takes for silver to finally catch up and and start having a more significant rally in tandem with gold uh, in, in going forward? People are still doing the gold to silver swap. Uh, it's certainly a good time to do it at 83 to one. You're talking being here roughly one fifth of 1% of the time over the last hundred years. It's an anomaly in price. I mean, it's coming out of the ground at seven to one. For 5,000 years, it was 16 to one. The the price ratio for the last 150 years has been roughly 42 to one on average, and it's trading at 83 to one. This is, it's a historically uh, significant opportunity. It is the most undervalued asset on the planet. And you're beginning to see big distributions of it and accumulation of it by the big money where, you know, you had 144,000 plus kilograms taken off the Shanghai Gold Exchange in one day, huge outflows that we've never seen. That's the, the biggest one day outflow in over a decade. You're seeing 1.9 million ounces drop uh, off the COMEX market uh, in the last year and a half. And, you know, it, it's, it's a situation where the biggest money in the world is accumulating silver as well. 300 plus million ounces by India, huge drawdowns, as we've talked about repetitively on your show uh, on COMEX and the LBMA. So, you know, silver's price is certainly being managed and the biggest money in the world is using that as an opportunity to accumulate a whole heck, uh, um, uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot more than the price would, would dictate. And, um, I think it's one of these deals where at some point the reality catches up with, with the price that there just isn't enough of it. Look, the big money who's taking all of these distributions or deliveries off of the exchanges is front running the inevitability. People doing this are much more sophisticated than your average uh, trader. These are the sovereign wealth funds. These are the 
you know, maybe the family offices. These are the central banks. These are the commercial banks. This is big, big money that's doing this. And they know the, the playbook. So whatever it is, it's coming. And you can see it by their actions. And they're front running the people who know the playbook. So it will happen. And it's very difficult sometimes when you got guys like me and, and you and others that have been saying this for a long time. I will tell you that I've never seen an environment that is more fitting of what we're talking about, where the the withdrawals are in, literally um, continuing, unabated, and ex and accelerating. And we haven't seen this happen on the Shanghai Gold Exchange, and now we are. We've seen it come off of the ETFs. We've seen it come off of COMEX. We've seen it come off the LBMA. And now you have the biggest one-day uh, delivery off the Shanghai Gold Exchange in over 10 years. This is, is becoming real. So it will happen, Chris. I don't know when, but the biggest money in the world is showing us that it is already happening. And we wake up one day and it's too late and it'll be on a Monday morning and the world will change. And I really think that's how it will happen. There'll be, this is the warning, just like we always talk about Hemingway, little by little, then all at once. The problem is most people aren't paying attention to the little by little. We are. Your listeners are, but the all at once is what will catch everyone by by surprise. And I don't know what that trigger point is, but I do believe that it will happen that way. Yeah, it, it has been interesting to watch. Uh, the decline has slowed down, as you can see, over the past couple of months. Uh, that chart has flattened out a bit. Let's take it back to the one year, and you can see has flattened out a little bit since uh, November, uh, down to 35 million on the COMEX. And as but let of... me interrupt for one minute. Yes, it has. But what's happened over the last two months, you've had almost 250 million ounces taken off of, of LBMA on exchange for physical contracts. Because maybe at this point right here, you've had people on your show who said we're basically out of available silver on COMEX. And if they would have taken that kind of, try to take more deliveries off of COMEX. Now you start to get to a, period, a point where you really are exposing it. We talked last week on your show, there were 9,000 short contracts by the commercial banks and, and only 6,000 contracts available for delivery. How much more can they take without everyone realizing something's going on? And so, yes, it's flatlined, but they are now just moving it to the Shanghai Gold Exchange and to the LBMA in exchange for delivery. I get your point, but these people are very sophisticated and, and it gets to a point where you breach that line and it just becomes so obvious that that something's going on that it starts to attract too much attention is the way I would address that that point. Well, we'll keep an eye on it going forward here. And uh, again, that's the COMEX stockpile. And we've seen LBMA and did mention last week about the withdrawals on Shanghai, which Still above historical levels, yet something we will keep an eye on. Uh, Andy, the last thing I wanted to run by you, you talked a bit about the states, and we've seen really a handful of news here is Mississippi uh, ending a sales tax on gold and silver, similar with Arkansas, um, several of the states doing this. Perhaps the most interesting one we've seen so far is Texas looking at creating gold and silver-backed transactional currencies. We did have a question come in about that, that not sure if you'll know the answer to this or not, but uh, any thoughts you have on how is that metal going to be sourced? If they do go forward, uh, Texas House Committee has passed the bill 
But if this does become reality, are people going to be competing against governments like Texas from allocations from the U.S. Mint or any thoughts on how that metal actually gets sourced and, and how that plays out? That's a great question, and it hasn't really been talked about. Maybe that's part of the reason you're finding it so damn difficult to find Silver Eagles. I don't know. It hasn't really been talked about is really the only way that I can address it. You know, um, when the Texas um, teachers pension, I think, invested in, um, in gold originally, they did it through GLD and then took delivery of it. I don't know where this would come from. My guess is that they would take it right off of Colmex. They would take industrial bars, both thousand ounce and uh, hundred ounce gold bars would be my guess because it's gonna carry the smallest premium. And if it's a fractional based system where it's a hundred percent reserve um, backed, but you, know, you own a piece of a bar. In other words, you're not gonna have everyone who who has a new Texas uh, digital gold-backed dollar have, you know, a coin that is representative of a coin held in a vault. It will be a, it will be whatever the total amount of gold and silver are in the vault, it'll be pegged to or backing this new system. And I, it's interesting, they, I guess they want to make it redeemable and, and not just for the people in Texas, they want to make this a, you know, a, a, a currency that anyone can use. Um, it's very, very, very intriguing. And to me, the benefit of all of this is waking up the masses. And, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen is just the waking up of the masses is going to make it difficult to find gold and silver anywhere, because I think you'll have more and more people that will, will look at what the states are doing, understand the logic of it, realize that what they've been feeling in their gut and seeing about what's happening to their portfolio and the world around them and, and have never thought about gold and silver. And they'll read an article like this and say, oh my God, this is what we need to be doing. And uh, so I look at it as a very big positive. Where is it coming from? Don't know, but if I had to guess, it would be COMEX bars because that's the best way to back a currency because it's gonna have the least amount of cost involved uh, in terms of its backing. Well, that would certainly be interesting if Texas starts taking delivery of silver from the COMEX, addition to what we also do it. If you're backing it with gold and silver, where are you going to get it? It's got to be the COMEX would be my guess. Yeah, more competition going after less and less supply. If only 30 million ounces in register. What happens if the state of Texas says we'll take 10 million ounces? Then what? You know, that this is becoming real very fast. This is why I think you've been seeing the big money pull their, their gold and silver off the exchange before these types of realizations, before the public wakes up. I really do think that the big money knows the playbook. And that to me is what has been giving me the, the confidence to say these kind of things on your show and others, even though the price doesn't really justify that. Well, it's not the price that justifies it. It's what's happening behind the scenes and using the suppression of price to position themselves. And that, that to me is where I will bet things end up, that the, the big money has been using this environment to prepare for, for a time when gold and silver take on a much more significant role in 
in uh, fiscal and monetary policy in this country and maybe even in the world. Yeah, and it has been fascinating to see this trend with more and more states at least looking into gold and silver at the same time you have obviously internationally the de-dollarization trend. So not not just foreign countries, but seeing attention placed on it here in the U.S. as well. So another thing we will keep an eye on. And Andy, before we wrap up, uh, anything on special for people who are interested in silver or gold? Um, anything that you can pass along this week? Yeah, we have, um, we're going to continue with the 10 ounce Atal Preziosi bars at 349 over. And then we also have something that is very intriguing for people looking for barter. And, you know, junk silver has been so expensive. Um, we do have quite a few in stock, thousands of them. Uh, the 2023 one quarter ounce Noah's Ark coin. Uh, they are $3.25 over melt value per coin. They're a higher premium coin. All fractional coins are, but these are fantastic. They're a quarter ounce. They're in stock. Um, if you're looking for something to barter with, this is as good as it gets because it's it's clearly marked the weight. It's brand new. It's very pretty. You get four transactions for every one, one ounce coin. And uh, a lot of people have been asking us for fractional silver so I was able to get these uh, quarter ounce 2023 Noah's Ark coins at three and a quarter over per coin and the 10 ounce Atal Preziosi brand new silver bars, 10 ounce, 349 per ounce over the price of silver. Well, Andy, appreciate that. And I know uh, people like getting that weekly special for those who are interested in adding to their silver holdings amidst all that's going on. And just, uh, thank you for making some time, as always, to shed a little light on what's going on in the physical gold and silver markets. See what happens the rest of this week. I guess we have another uh, week of debating and looking at the debt ceiling headlines, which should be fun and maddening simultaneously. But we'll look forward to catching up with you again next week. And I'll, we'll talk to you then, my friend. Be well, Chris. Thanks for having me, buddy. Well, thank you, Andy, for this week's report. Always good to get his insight into the physical gold and silver market and see what's going on out there. We did not cover the premiums this week, although we'll check back in on that next Tuesday when we catch up with Andy. And either case, hopefully you found that one helpful at home as we continue to navigate the latest debt ceiling headlines and the other things that are going on out there. Real quick, before we wrap up, I would like to thank First Majestic Silver, who brought us today's episode. And as you may have seen earlier this month, First Majestic did report their first quarter earnings. And one thing that I just thought was interesting and worth passing along here is that they had consolidated cash costs of 1516 per silver equivalent ounce, all in sustaining cost of 2090. Although again, earlier this year, they did do the shutdown of Jarrett Canyon as costs were high there. And when you remove Jarrett Canyon, you see that those consolidated cash costs and all in sustaining go down to 11.85 and 15.38 per ounce. So something that will be interesting to see when First Majestic has their second quarter earnings and seemingly in position to benefit from that, the lower cost structure as obviously the Jarrett Canyon mining operation was bringing those levels a bit higher, but part of the reason why they closed down Jarrett Canyon and we will look forward to seeing the impact in their second quarter earnings, which won't be all too far off. So. Either case, thanks again to First Majestic for bringing us today's show. Hope you're having a great day out there, and I will see you again tomorrow.